Amen. Amen. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 5. If you don't have your Bible today, we do have uh, Bibles there in the pew back in front of you. If you want to grab one of those, we want to make sure you can follow along in the Word of God. So Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. I really like living out in Akron. I love it that um, my kids are going to get to... We, we, kind of, we pulled them out of school to move out here, so we're going to have to finish up schooling at home. And uh, I'm really glad I don't have to go down to their school. It always seemed to take uh, 30 minutes to get down there uh, one way uh, to take them down to school. We had kind of a, I was kind of commissioned as a carpool liaison uh, this, this uh, last school year and the school year before that. And because um, Crystal was doing daycare at the house, and and uh, this last this last year I I was doing carpool with this wonderful family. They did a great job and working with them. But you know, going 30 minutes one way to a school is just for me kind of a waste of time. It's a good school, love it. Um, but it was just pretty far away from our house. And when it snowed, it even took even longer. It took like an hour. To get there, I remember one time the snow was so bad it took an hour and a half to get down there, and uh, I, w- I was like, "Why did they not cancel school?" <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, but so I'm so glad to be out in Akron that we don't have to do this, and uh, schools are close by, and you don't have to travel so far. Uh, this last this last semester before we moved out here, uh, I was doing carpool, and it was a Friday. And, you know, typically on Fridays, I'm trying to finish up all my work for the weekend and messages and so forth and so on. And I remember that Friday, it tend, you know, it, it was a lot of people coming into the church there at Arvada Baptist Church and visiting with me. And I can't remember, but I, I can't remember the exact uh, time that person came. And I can't remember the person who came. But I remember when they left, it was about 3 o'clock. And I saw the clock that Friday, and I said, man, it's already 3 o'clock. i got to get my work done. And I went in the office, and uh, it was about 4.30, 4.15, that I got a call from Crystal. Honey, where are you? She called me on my cell phone. I'm studying at the office like I always do. You were supposed to pick up the kids an hour ago. <laughs> and I, uh, I got so... I got so focused on my work and what was going on and I got distracted that I totally forgot that Friday was my day to pick up the kids. And I actually dropped them off that morning. I have no idea how I forgot <laughs> how I, uh, that I was not supposed to pick them back up. So anyway, I got down there about an hour later and uh, one of the kids had soccer practice to get to. and I was trying to cheer him up, you know, that uh, maybe he wouldn't have to do the exercises and, you know, he might get to show up late, and he seemed kind of aggravated with me that I showed up late, the other kids. My kids, they didn't care. They got to play at the school a little bit longer. But, you know, uh, I I thought about that story in relation to this account that we're going to be reading about today because we're going to be reading about uh, four fishermen that were already commissioned by the Lord Jesus Christ, but they got so focused on themselves that they forgot or they neglected their responsibilities to Christ. Um, I want to challenge us today 
with the reality that Christ has given us a great commission to go into all the world and to preach the Gospel to every creature. But many times we focus more on ourselves than on that commission. We talk about the Great Commission a lot of times, but in all reality we could probably call it the Great Omission. And uh, unfortunately so. Um, We see here with uh, these four fishermen that they've gotten distracted. And they are uh, busy fishing again. And, you know, life is just that way. Life sometimes gets distracting. And it's okay to be busy. But sometimes it seems like we have negative distractions that come into our life. And I heard this um, acronym. Acronym? Okay, we can use it that way. I like that. Uh, it's for bi- the word busy. Burden under Satan's yoke. And sometimes our distractions can be that way. Satan can use them to distract us from what we really should be doing. And that's exactly what the, the uh, four fishermen were doing here. Life sometimes gets discouraging and we stop sharing Christ with others. Sometimes life gets difficult and, and our, own, our own spirit goes into a despairing spiral and we start focusing more on ourselves than on others. Uh, what I want to do in the next three Sundays at least, is I want to do a series on turning your eyes on Jesus. Keeping your eyes on Christ. And as we study this uh, passage today, you're going to see that these disciples, they took their eyes off Christ and they were looking at themselves rather than at the commission that the Lord Jesus had given them. Uh, I I think it's neat when you see similarities throughout Scripture. Here in Luke chapter 5, we're going to be reading about two sets of brothers, Peter, Andrew, James, and John. Peter and Andrew was one set. James and John were another set. And it's funny how God uses sometimes, He uses sets of brothers. This Wednesday I got to sit in in Awana, saw that the TNT were studying uh, Moses and Aaron, another set that God used to bring good news in the Old Testament. And as we uh, read about it, we're going to be reading this passage here in just a little bit, we see that these disciples were fishing and they were washing their they just were done fishing and they're washing their nets and if you read in verse 1 it says that the people pressed upon Jesus to hear the word of God there was a great need to hear the word of God and these disciples were busy washing their nets they were busy going back to their fishing if you look at verse 10 Jesus reemphasized this, and we're going to get to this later, that He reminds them, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. See, this was the will of Christ all along, is that they would be fishers of men. And He wants you and me to be fishers of men as well. That we would go out and we would share the good news of Jesus Christ. That He is the Savior. That He can save people from their sins. That He saved us from our sins. That we are all are sinners and fall short of the glory of God. And that we all need to be saved from the penalty of our sins. The wages of our sins, which is death. And Jesus is the only way. We see here that the disciples, they got distracted. We're not doing this anymore. And they should have been going out and sharing the Word of God. 
sharing the person of Jesus Christ and His plan of salvation and urge the unsaved to, be, to respond. They needed to turn their eyes back on the mission they received from the Lord Jesus Christ. I divided this passage, verses 1-11, through into three segments. Where Jesus really does bring to the forefront the deficiencies of these disciples. The first deficiency is their lack of commitment. They were focusing more on their own goals of fishing and industry and maybe even family rather than their commitment to Christ. The second, and that's in verses one through three. Then in verses four through eight, they the second deficiency that the Lord is going to bring to their attention is their lack of confidence in Him. They were focusing more on their skills as fishermen rather than His power as the Son of God. And then the third deficiency that Christ brings up is in verses nine through eleven. So that first segment, verses one through three, the second one, verses four through eight. And in this last section, verses 9-11, through 11, Jesus brings up this last deficiency uh, in the disciples' lives, and that was a lack of courage. They were focusing more on their fears than their Savior and on the mission at hand. And so as we go to this passage before I read it in its entirety, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we ask for Your blessing on the reading of Your Word and that You would... Um, Your Spirit would work in a mighty way. Help me, Lord, to communicate what I've learned. May Your Spirit work in the hearts of those present or hearing this message this morning that they would uh, respond to the Holy Spirit as He works in their hearts today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We see here in verses 1-11, through these fishermen finally decide to follow Christ. Let me read it in its entirety. Verse 1, And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon Jesus to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, which is the Sea of Galilee, and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land, and sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drought. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we've toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes. And their net brake, and they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships, so that they began to talk, excuse me, began to sink. And when Simon saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him at the drought or the catch of the fishes, which they had taken that day. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men, And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed Him. First of all, in verses 1-4, through Jesus commands them, He brings to their attention that they need to share Him and His Word with commitment. He calls these four fishermen to committed discipleship. And we see this in the lives of these four fishermen, Simon, Andrew, James, and John. Now, 
Some people look at this passage and they compare it to other accounts in the Synoptic Gospels. The Synoptic Gospels are Matthew, Mark, and Luke, where they're very similar. They talk about some of the very similar things. The Gospel of John talks um, about some of the same things as well, but it seems like it has a whole different purpose. But as we look at these four Gospels, I want you to keep this in mind, that we are reading, first of all, the inspired Word of God, But second of all, it's amazing how the Spirit of God used these four different men, these four witnesses of the the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. And it's amazing that when we read these Gospels, sometimes they share more details than the other one does. And we should never read these accounts and think, oh, you know, oh, it says something different than the other one. Maybe this is not true. No, we should actually be encouraged with the the truth of the passage. Think about if you were in a courtroom and there were four witnesses to a murder. okay? And you have these four witnesses and they come up and they give their account and they give the exact same thing. I mean, word for word testimony. Would you be a little suspicious? Yeah, you'd be a little suspicious that they kind of orchestrated this thing together. But as we read the Gospel accounts, we see that they write in their own style under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and they don't always give the exact same details. And we see in comparison with Matthew and Mark, uh, they give an account of an earlier calling that Jesus gave to these four men. As we look at the, as we look at the four Gospels and the life of these four men, we see in John chapter 1 that Jesus first is introduced to Simon, and these other three fishermen in John chapter 1 and Simon, um, these, these four men are introduced to Jesus by John the Baptist. Okay? And I've kind of joked about being called John the Baptist in this town. Uh, you think that would go over well? Maybe not. I don't know. But uh, anyway, John the Baptist comes and he prepares the way for the Lord and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God! And he, and he does this to his disciples that were following him and those were... John and Andrew. Andrew was the brother of Peter and Simon Peter. And so Andrew goes up to Simon and introduces Jesus to him. And he says, you are, you are uh, Simon. Uh, he renames him uh, uh, Peter or Cephas. And he says he's going to be that stone, that foundation stone, looking forward to the great day of uh, Pentecost. But we uh, see that they go back to their fishing business right after that account in John chapter 1. Peter really never follows Jesus in a committed way after that. He goes back to the fishing business. And Matthew and Mark uh, record, it's Matthew Matthew 8 and then Mark 1 uh, record this same account. But we see that these four fishermen are casting their nets when Jesus is on the shore of Galilee. And he calls them, to be their disciples in verse 16 of Mark chapter 1. And then Mark chapter 1 verse 18, they leave all and they follow him for a while. We keep reading in that chapter that they witness miracles by Jesus. We even uh, read about it here in the Gospel of Luke in chapter 4 about Peter's mother-in-law being healed of a sickness by Jesus Christ. Yeah, Peter was married. If he was the first pope, he was married, but you know. I don't think he was the first pope. Uh, but anyway, he had a mother-in-law, right? And he, uh, 
he and Jesus healed her. So he saw these miracles. Uh, he heard preaching throughout all the synagogues of Galilee, verse 39 of Mark chapter 1. However, we see here in Luke chapter 5 that they're gone back to the fishing business. I can relate to this. I've met people, I've even struggled in my own life with making commitments to the Lord Jesus Christ, and then I follow Him for a little while, and then I go back to what I was doing before. Then I follow Him a little while, and then I go back to what I was doing before. And that's the context here of Luke chapter 5. We see that the men are, verse 2, not in their boats. Okay, It's a different account. They're not in their boats, and they're not casting nets. They're washing their nets. Okay? And so we see a whole different uh, there's a whole different occasion here in Luke chapter five, and many people try to, even in commentaries, say that these are the same thing. But the disciples, uh, these four at least, they struggled with being committed to Christ. They lacked a commitment to Christ, and I think all of us can relate to these four men in that way. And so Jesus places them under the preaching of God's word. If you look at verse three, Jesus entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's. He chose the right property. It belonged to Simon. He had a purpose in choosing that. The rest of the verse says, And he prayed or requested that Peter would thrust out a little from the land. So he chooses the right person, Simon, and probably his brother Andrew got in the boat too. And then he chooses the right place. He casts off a little from the land, where he has this natural amplification along the waters of the Sea of Galilee to cast forth his voice so that not only can Peter and Andrew that are in the boat can hear him, but the people on the land, probably James and John, that were still washing their nets or were down a ways, could hear Jesus and what he was saying. And so they were hearing the Word of God. I read a story of a small country church and the pastor was out of town, and one of the deacons got up and he prepared a message from the book of Isaiah. And I can't remember what the chapter was, and I can't remember exactly what he said, but it was the essence of calling the people to recommit their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ and to come unto him, to come unto the Messiah for salvation. But if you were a Christian, come back to him with more faithfulness. And there was a young man who walked into that country church. He just happened to be riding horseback through that way. And he attended that church because it was the Lord's Day. And he was kind of a backslidden, backslidden fellow. He hadn't been, he was kind of questioning the Lord's leading in his life. He was a Christian. But he came in the back of the chapel and he sat in the back of the pews there. And uh, he heard the message from this deacon. The deacon didn't really feel like he. His message was that great, and the writer of the story said it wasn't that great either. <laughs> and, uh, but you know, he preached, and he had an invitation, and invited people to respond to the Word of God. And this young man, God was working in his heart, and he came forward, and he rededicated his life to the Lord, and his name was Charles Haddon Spurgeon. And I mean, you think about a man who turned England upside down, and a great ministry, but you know, he was struggling with assurance of his own salvation and his own assurance of the Lord's leading in his life. And God used his word. See, it's not a person that God uses. It's his word. 
And we see here that the people were just craving to hear the Word of God. And Jesus sits down in the normal posture that would have taken place in that day. And He teaches the people from this boat. And funny enough, the people that needed to hear that message were right there in the boat. Or in, they were in that surrounding area. And so these disciples were surely under conviction because as Jesus spoke the Word of God, if you read Luke chapter 4, you read that he, Jesus spoke with authority. He didn't, quote, um, he didn't quote Jewish rabbis that had preached years ago. He didn't preach traditions of men. He spoke directly the Word of God. And people responded because He spoke with authority. And many times when He spoke the Word of God, He was always pointing to Himself as the, as the Savior that God had sent. He came his, um, here in the book of uh, the Gospel of Mark, kind of sums up His message when He began His preaching ministry. He came and He says, The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the Gospel. And that's what He was talking about, is that the kingdom of God is at hand. The Savior is here. You need to respond to Me. As the, as the Messiah. And so I believe, I know it's a little, it's kind of, I'm assuming this, it's not in the text, that Jesus' message was very convicting in talking about His authority as the Son of God. And I believe that these disciples were definitely um, feeling the conviction of their disobedience as these people were hungering for the Word of God and they should have been giving it all along themselves. How about you? As you're hearing the Word of God today, maybe you've heard the Word of God this week and the Lord has used His Word to bring conviction in your own life. Are you putting yourself under the preaching of God's Word so that the Holy Spirit can use it to challenge you to greater faithfulness? How about your fishing? Are you fishing for, for souls or are you fishing for something else in this world? Are you trying to hook others for Jesus or are you hooked by this world? If, uh, if you made a commitment to the Lord in the past like these disciples, don't feel like you, you just should give up and you're hopeless. No, get back in the boat and start fishing again and get right with the Lord and commit yourself to sharing Christ again. Be committed to Him as a disciple. Share Jesus and His Word with commitment. Then in verses 5-8, through eight, this is the miracle that takes place. And uh, he brings this to the forefront of the disciples' mind is that they need confidence in him. Uh, let me reread verses 4 and 5 where the Scriptures say, Now when Jesus had left speaking in the boat, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the ship and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we've toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I'll let down the net. I'm kind of trying to, I'm trying to portray some of the sarcasm probably that was in, on his voice. I mean, you think about uh, Simon Peter. I mean, he's representing these uh, disciples that were there in the boat or that were in, within hearing distance. They just heard this man speak with authority, most likely, and present himself as the Savior. And then they question his leadership and his word. Let's don't cast a stone yet. We do it all the time. <laughs> all right? But we see here that these men lack confidence in his leadership and in his skills because they had more confidence in their skills and their profession than they did 
in the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter says, we have toiled all night. And he was right. I mean, as fishermen, they had chosen the best time to fish at night when the fish would come to the surface of the water to feed. They probably fished in shallow waters rather than the deep. And so Jesus is kind of going backwards of what he would naturally, they would naturally do at night. They fished with the most effort that they could give. They toiled all night long. These were not wimps. They were fishermen. They were strong and burly. I mean, they worked all night and they caught nothing. And they fished at the best place naturally, the Sea of Galilee. Um, I've never been to the Holy Land, but I've read about the Sea of Galilee. And it has such a large variety of fish just in that sea, in that lake. And it's amazing. It had a huge fishing industry. And these were professional men. They say, we have taken nothing, and we are the professionals, sir. And they were fishermen by trade. We read that they had partners in this passage. Their partners were the partners of Simon were James and John. And see, usually if you were just like some podunk fisherman, you'd just go out there and you'd fish, right? But they were partners in a fishing business. We read in Matthew and Mark that in this earlier calling that Jesus placed on James and John, when they left their father Zebedee in the boat, he says they left their workers there in the boat as well. So not only was it a business partnership, but it was a big business where they had workers for them. And then they also left big they also had big success in the fishing industry. We read about Peter's house uh, in Luke chapter four and how it was not only the twelve disciples not only was it Jesus and the disciples, but also it was Jesus' mother in law, it was Peter's family and his wife. He must have had a huge house to house all those people. Um, it's believed that it was this house, Peter's house in Capernaum, that the paralytic where they tore up the roof and let him down, and all those people were trying to get in the house, that was Peter's house. That they tore up his roof and did a remodeling job in his house. Uh, that was his house. It was a bigger house because he was a big businessman. He had big success. And so for him to, for him to say, Lord, you want me to launch out deeper after I've already washed my nets and probably folded them, cleaned them up? I got the boats on land. You want me to go out deeper? I'm a professional, sir. I've had success in this business. What are you doing? See, he had more confidence in himself than he did in the Lord. And uh, they obey him, and I believe out of respect, not out of faith. And Jesus gives them a supernatural catch. We have any fishermen in here? Anyone like to fish at least a little bit? Yeah, I do. I can't wait to go find some fishing holes around here. I enjoyed going fishing as a teenager. And one of our favorite, uh, I'm from South Carolina, so one of our favorite uh, places was to go up to North Carolina to the fish hatchery that was there. We, we lived in the um, foothills of South Carolina, so the northwestern part, not very far from North Carolina. So we'd travel about 30 minutes up to the hatchery the trout hatchery that they had there in North Carolina. And I remember times of going up there, and we brought home one time a great mess of fish. And uh, we were up there that day, and it was, um, it was pretty warm. Mom was 
getting uh, lunch ready. My dad and my two brothers and I were fishing there um, by by this little pipe, uh, and we, we hadn't caught anything. Uh, my brother, my younger brother, and I we were getting ready to take our shoes and socks off and go play in the in the creek, and uh, my dad catches a fish, and then all of a sudden my older brother catches a fish, and then I catch a fish, and my younger brother catches a fish. And we're just catching these fish, you know, left and right, and we don't we don't know what is going on. But my dad notices that this water pipe, this black water pipe, there were trout that were coming out of it, out of the little hatchery thing that they had uh, grown these uh, trout. And we just happened to be there when they were releasing the trout that were mature enough to live on their own. And so it was a limit of only 10 fish per person. But we caught almost 40 trout that day and brought them home. And we had a huge fish fry when we got home and we actually had to freeze a bunch and put them in the freezer that night. We laid them all on the picnic table. It was the greatest day. I still remember that. So much fun with my brothers. I wish my mom had a pole. We could have had nearly 50. But uh, anyway, what made the difference? What made the difference? The trout were being sent to us from the hatchery, right? And uh, they were coming outside of that pipe, and our catch had really nothing to do with our bait. We didn't really use any kind of special bait that no one else was using. Um, It had nothing to do with our skill, really, because we were just some dumb redneck boys out there with our dads. But we caught all these fish. Why? Because the trout were being sent to us. And the same occurrence happens in this passage with Jesus. Jesus sends an enormous amount of fish to these four men. If you look at verse 6, it says, And when they had done, and when they had let down their nets, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net brake. And they beckoned unto their partners, James and John, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships. Well, catch this. So they they be so that they began to sink. Isn't that enormous? Man, that's the kind of fish I want to buy, I want to catch. But you know, when we think about this fishing, you know, there were several type of fishing techniques in ancient times. First of all, like the fishing hook, right? Where Peter goes and he hooks a fish and gets the coin for the paying the tax for Jesus. Then also in scripture we read about I referred to them casting their nets for fish. But here it's a bag net that they're using. They're out in the deep. Has anyone ever watched Finding Nemo before? You remember that occasion at the end of the movie where you know they uh, Nemo and uh, Nemo and his dad Marlin, I think, are uh, they get caught in that net? And what do the fish do when they have the net? It's being drawn up, right? And that's exactly the same idea—a bag net like that. And the fish are diving down, diving down to try to get out of the net, right? But this occasion, they're doing that, and they're they're breaking the net. It says in verse uh, 6 that their net break, or if you translate it literally, their net was breaking. So it was beginning to break, and then they're like, James, John, come over here! Help us get these fish! And they start... Not only was it breaking the net, but they start filling their ships with these fish. And it starts sinking their ships. See, that's the kind of enormous response that you and I can have 
when we go witness for Christ. A lot of times when we have an opportunity to share the Lord Jesus Christ and His Word with somebody, we look at ourselves and we're like, but I don't know the Word of God as, as much as Pastor Acker does or one of those weird deacons. Um, I, I, just don't, I, I just don't think I can share Christ with, with this person. But Jesus is trying to convince Peter, Andrew, James and John, it's not your skills that I'm using. It's by my power, saith the Lord. By my Spirit, saith the Lord, that I'm going to save people from their sins. I'm going to send the fish to you. I'm going to send the souls to you. You just have to put your confidence in Me. And that's the problem a lot of times. We lack confidence in Christ to do such enormous things, such marvelous things with our little minuscule witness for Him. But you know what? He can do great things through your testimony. And we see here in this account that that night they caught nothing because Christ was not with them. But that morning when Jesus was with them, it made the difference, didn't it? It made the difference because He sent the fish their way and they caught this humongous catch. And the same is true with you and me. You know, when we go witness for Christ, Jesus has already promised in His Word that He will be with you when you share the good news about the plan of salvation. Let me read Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. That's the Great Commission that we're talking about here. This is what He says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, or look at this, or pay attention here. I am with you always, even unto the end of the age or the world. What did Jesus promise? Hey, I'm sending you out to tell people about who I am. That I'm the Savior. And as you share me with that lost friend, that lost family member, I will be with you. I will be with you to the end of time. When, I'm, when you're witnessing to that person in the restaurant, when you're witness, witnessing that person over the phone, I will be there with you. Do you have your confidence in that promise? That Jesus will be with you? That He will give you the right words to say? Another truth that I saw in this passage is that Jesus will also supernaturally send souls to you. It's a comforting thought that salvation is not a work of mine. It's a work of God. It's the power of God unto salvation. And that's why we should not be ashamed. We can put our confidence in Christ to do the sending and the saving. And what did He ask Peter and the other fishermen to do? Just let down your nets and I'll send them to you. Let down your nets and I will send them to you and I'll give you a great catch. So have you lost confidence in Jesus to save sinners? Are you ready to share Christ with a lost person in this community or in your family? You know, you can put your confidence in the Lord to send the lost your way, to save the lost, and to give you the right words to say. You just have to let down your net and put your confidence in Him. So we see here in this passage that Jesus is encouraging these fishermen to share Him and His Word with commitment, with confidence, and then lastly, with courage, verses 9-11. through 11. Let me just read verses 9 and 10. For Peter was astonished 
when he says, Depart from me in verse 8, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished and all that were with him at the draught or the catch of the fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. I love this passage. Because what's the problem that Simon and these other disciples are facing? Is that they see their own sinfulness. They see their own deficiencies. They see their lack of commitment, their lack of confidence in the Lord. It's very obvious of that. And now they're just saying, depart from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. I never can be one of your disciples. And Jesus says, don't be afraid. You will catch men. I will use you. And that's the truth that we should long for. See, they were not only ashamed of their unbelief, but they were astonished at this miracle. Man, how could I do such things as this great man, as this Son of God, as the Son of God? How could I ever be such a disciple of Him when I've been so unfaithful and so sinful? John Newton wrote this, They are the happiest Christians who have the lowest thoughts of themselves and in whose eyes Jesus is the most glorious and precious. See, we need to have the lowest thoughts of ourselves. And the truth is, is that Jesus, we see it played out here, He uses our personal failures to encourage us to better service toward Him. Don't allow your personal failures and deficiencies to get you out of ministry and sharing Christ with others. They actually should encourage you because it is a work of God and not a work of your own. And Jesus promises here, He says, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. You, Peter, you, James, John, and Andrew, you are insufficient to save these people from their sins, but I will enable you to accomplish this mission after all. If you'll hold your place here and turn over to Acts chapter 2, we see, this, we see this promise played out in the early church on the day of Pentecost. Verse 40 and 41. Peter has just preached that Jesus to all the thousands of people that were there on that festival there in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. And he ends his sermon this way. He says, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Verse 41, Then they that gladly received His Word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. We see a huge catch, don't we? And we see several thousand after this day of Pentecost that accept Christ there in Jerusalem. Why? Because Peter stood up and he shared the truth about Christ. And he shared the Word of God. And that's what you and I are commanded to do is to stand up and share Jesus without fear. Fear not, Jesus commands them. From henceforth thou shalt catch men. What's involved in courageous discipleship? Look at verse 11. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and they followed Him. I was curious about this. I was like, what's the big deal? They they just forsake all again and they follow Him again. What's the difference from the earlier calling? Well, I looked at those other passages in Matthew 
and in Mark. And I think I gave you the wrong reference in Matthew. It's Matthew 4, actually, and Mark chapter 1. But we see that they forsook Him before. So what's the difference? Well, before they forsook their nets. The Scriptures say they forsook their nets, which they did. They forsook their lucrative careers, their money for a time, but then they returned right back to it. And then it says that James and John, they forsook their family. They forsook Zebedee and their family when they left. And it happens on that occasion. But on this occasion, the Scriptures word it differently. It says that now they they forsook all. Whatever they were holding on to, which I believe was their selves, they were looking still to themselves even when they forsook their nets and their family. They hadn't, there was something they hadn't given completely over to the Lord. And the Scriptures really don't say what it is. But it was something that was focused on themselves. Because that's how we find them here in Luke chapter 5. Looking to themselves. See, Christ calls you and me to forsake all. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't take personal responsibilities in life. Yes, you do take care of your personal responsibilities. And I believe these men did that. But, what that statement means is that Jesus must take precedence or priority over any other demand that's been placed upon you in this world. That He would be first place over every other thing. And so we see these men they step out by faith and courageously follow Christ by forsaking all and following Him. How about you? The Scriptures say that we are commissioned as fishers of men. What are you fishing for today? Is your hook in the water? Are you casting a net? Are your eyes on the Lord's great commission or on yourself? We see here that uh, Jesus is calling these disciples to stop focusing on their own goals, their own skills, and their own fears and turn their eyes on the mission at hand. To turn their eyes on the mission that He gave them to accomplish. To share Him and His Word with commitment, with confidence, and courage. How about you? Are you sharing Christ with others? Let's close in a word of prayer. Lord, we thank You so much for this passage of Scripture, this narrative that happened, this account that happened several thousand years ago. And Lord, we just thank You for preserving it in Your Word to be a testimony to us as Your believers today. Lord, we believe that You inspired Your Word with that account with us in mind, this occasion in mind, so that we would respond to Your Word. Lord, I just pray for those that might be in this room that haven't been faithful in giving out the Gospel of Jesus Christ this last week. Maybe they are silent witnesses instead of vocal witnesses. And I just pray that You would um, encourage them, Lord, to step out by faith and to share the Gospel this week, to put their confidence in You, to recommit themselves to You, to step out courageously, um, trusting You to work in a mighty way. Lord, if there's someone in this room today that doesn't know Jesus as their personal Savior, they don't know if they died today that they would go to heaven. I pray that they would respond also during our time of invitation and that they would uh, talk to man or a woman about and uh, read the verses in Your Word about 
your plan of salvation that they would respond. We just pray that your Holy Spirit would work. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.